Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to our brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, your host, and if this is your first Geekscape, what do you say around here? Strap yourselves in for some pop culture talk, movies, video games, combos, TV, all of that stuff. Uh, we're getting close to LA Comic Con in two months. It's the first weekend of December. I submitted, I think I submitted like eight panels to LA Comic Con. It's the third and the fourth, no, it's the second and the third at the LA Convention Center. Uh, I don't know the main stage panels that they'll give me. Uh, Obviously, I'll try and get the audio of those panels, and they'll be right here on the audio feed. If you're listening to this on the podcast feed, maybe on Spotify or on uh, Apple Podcasts, you're you're in the right place. You're going to get all of those celebrity interviews and some of the panels. If you're watching this on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, what's keeping you from going over to your podcasting app? It's a lot easier. You shouldn't be driving and watching this. You probably shouldn't be watching it at work either. And just click subscribe to the Geekscape podcast, the audio version, and uh, you'll be getting all the extra content that uh, I'm recording for you guys at like at like conventions and stuff where I can't exactly be streaming on YouTube in the middle of the uh, LA Convention Center on the main stage, okay? Like, I can't be doing that. I can't be walking around with my, my phone. We're not going to be doing like a uh, Instagram live or anything from with with LeVar Burton on the main stage when that's happening. Can't do it. But if you subscribe to the podcast, you get everything. 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 Including this episode. All right. I've got my good friend Kai Dodson on the show. Uh, you may know him if you're into pop punk bands. Uh, he was in a band called The Army of Freshmen. Um, it's up to you whether or not it has a the on the front of that. A lot of people just say Army of Freshmen. But I try and give it a little bit of authority. The Army of Freshmen. <laughs> I don't think it has the thing on it. And uh, he's on the show. We've been hanging out. We went to see our friend uh, Max Bernstein on Sunday night. He had like a for first time in like 13, 16 years had his band, The Actual, get back together. And they were awesome. And they had more people in the audience than they ever did when they were like non not broken up before this little reunion gig over uh in downtown la but we got together we hung out we talked a ton of comics at dinner and i was like hey you got to come on geekscape uh and hang out with me and talk music talk comics talk about what you've been up to kai i think he's a super interesting dude we've been hanging out super buds and um yeah so he's on the show and we're gonna be talking comics so you better be ready for comics and probably be talking movies and all that ahsoka's finishing up so that you're gonna get that special here coming very soon where we wrap up all seven episodes of ahsoka i lost count i'm just kind of i just kind of been enjoying them you know i uh i i'm trying to be less hypercritical of the content because i think it depresses me do you understand this geekscapist where uh, you want to be critical. You want to have some critical acumen in the material that you digest, uh, whether you're reading comics or movies or a book or um, listening to an album. You want to be critical of it. You want to be able to analyze it. You want to be able to appreciate it. But there is a tipping point. And when you go to that tipping point where it turns into criticism and you maybe start to tear things maybe you start to tear into things. And when things start being too negative and you can't appreciate it for the joy that it can bring in star Wars, obviously is one of those. Uh, we have some star Wars that we love and we have some star Wars that let's go with just wasn't for us. Uh, when you start to paint everything with that brush, you find yourself spending hours watching things like Ahsoka or the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series or, 
let's go with Boba Fett. That one may not be so high on the tomato meter. <laughs> not that people aren't paying for Rotten Tomato scores. We found out uh, as if there was any guesses that they weren't. Um, we all kind of thought something was going on there the modern day payola of film reviewing um if you start to get a little too critical you look up and you realize how much money how much time uh how much of your social interactions have been based on this stuff you can turn into a bit of negative nancy's and i've been absolutely guilty of that a lot to the point where some of my interactions with friends like i don't need to crush their joy i don't need to take it away from them and i've been working on that with myself why do I mention that when it comes to Ahsoka? I actually think, I think Ahsoka's awesome. But when I talk to friends, some of them are like, yeah, it's not for me. It's like, you know, it's not my Star Wars. Or some of them will just downright say Star Wars is dead. Star Wars is for kids. Um, all of these things can be true. Uh, and I think we got to live in a geekdom of acceptance where all of these things can be true. It cannot be, it doesn't have to be for you, but it can still be for them. Uh, but if you spend your, your time not enjoying something, um, let's start thinking about better ways to spend our time you can let go of things too. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I had something to say and I just turned it into a Ted talk and Kai's sitting in the waiting room being like, right on. Or maybe what the heck is he talking about? Maybe you're asking that yourself as you're like you know what maybe i should get back to work instead of listening to geekscape while at work because work was more entertaining than this dude droning on i'm just kidding we got a kick-ass episode for you guys you're not going to want to turn this off you're going to want to crank up the jams because i got kai got dodson coming up we're going to talk comics we're going to talk music we're going to talk all that stuff and it starts right here with geekscape Heck yeah, Geekscape is, if you listen to that theme song, you just listened to the, I, I actually was going to say the the sounds of our friend Steve Sabosley from Punchline. I actually think that that was when Nick was in the band. Oh no, John Bellin. And I think that was actually John Bellin's voice during that era of Punchline. Uh, the John Bellin, just say yes era of Punchline. They just put that thing back out on vinyl. So if you guys enjoy Punchline, you like the Just Say Yes album, it's available with our good friends punchline over at their merch store uh, on vinyl. I, that just popped in my head. Cause I realized I was about to pimp out uh, Steve Sabosley and it was John Bellin singing those songs, uh, the, the theme song for Geekscape, but Steve wrote it. Uh, thank you. Speaking of things, Steve wrote as a segue to my good friend, Kai, who's waiting here to talk comics. Uh, Steve's got a brand new project. It's called maybe aliens. And uh, I just found out about it today, but my friend Kai's been keeping secrets because I hung out with him on Sunday and he didn't mention no Maybe Aliens project that Steve has been sending him songs from for like a week now. And I'm a fan of anything Steve does musically. Uh, and it includes another friend of mine from even before I knew Steve and Kai, Heath Saraceno, whose band Midtown used to play my radio show all the time. And when this maybe aliens thing hit geekscapists who love the music that we sometimes uh promote here on the show go check out maybe aliens over on spotify they get a brand new song out and they're going to really be releasing uh about five more tracks over the coming weeks before they have a full ep for you guys um i start listening to this maybe aliens track and then i follow them on instagram and i comment that I'm their biggest fan, at least until you guys get on the bandwagon and you guys can be the biggest fans. Uh, and Heath and I connect over Instagram like today, right now we connect uh, like an hour before the show. We started like texting each other. And that led me to be like, dude, remember the old times of being on WXPN in Philadelphia and recording Midtown, like live on the radio and then doing all that cool stuff. Um, and it was crazy. Cause we were just talking about Midtown because they were, they played a, a a place called 
Skate Street in Ventura. And for 20 years, I didn't know the name of this venue that had a skate park and a concert venue in one in Ventura. And I went up there to see Midtown in the stereo back in 2000. And who else was there in that building? At that time, I didn't, wouldn't know him for several more years. This man right here, Kai Dodson. And I stopped in the middle of dinner. I said, wait, you would be the perfect person to answer the, this question. What was the name of that venue? And he said, what'd you say? Skate Street. It's, Skate it's Street. called Skate Street. Yeah. You grew up in Ventura. And Skate Street was such a cool place. Because I just remember bands rocking out and kids skateboarding and doing crazy tricks as you're listening to bands, I thought it was such a cool warehouse turned into skate park slash concert venue. And thank you for like answering that question that I had had for 20 plus years. I'm happy to help. I'm glad I, you came to the right person. <laughs> and how <laughs> awesome was- that like two days later, this maybe aliens thing comes out and it's got our friend, Steve, of course, who you and I reconnected, hanging out with over down in uh, what, what, Denny's. In yeah, San, San Diego, Diego, right? <laughs> After a punchline show and, and doing some hacky sacking. And then Heath and I started texting each other after that. And uh, and Heath was at, he performed as mid, you know, in Midtown on that Skate Street show. Uh, I think, man, it's crazy. And then, of course, Sunday. We go to see Max Band, and he and I reconnect. He was my screenwriting teacher's nephew, which is how I know Max Bernstein. Oh, how fascinating! And and my my screenwriting teacher when I moved to Los Angeles said, "You got to connect with my friend, uh, my nephew Max." And Max is Nor Efron's son, so he's involved in, in film. My my screenwriting teacher Jerry was Delia Efron's husband, so it was all family. And, and Max and I talked about how we could collaborate with the video like for a long time, and then his band broke up. The actual broke up and then played the first show in like what 16 years on Sunday, and you and I were definitely gonna be there. We were. That's the story, Geeks Cabus. And they're great, great band. <laughs> like definitely check them out if you've not heard them. They they made two albums and both are are very good. Excellent love, band. Love them. And I hope those albums are are available like on streaming because you, the if first you guys are one into is I, yeah. Radio Idaho. Is, yeah, Radio Idaho is. I don't think the second one's like in stitches. I don't think that one is, but the first one's great. We can find ways to get it to you, Geeks Campus. We can find ways. So people may possibly on this show right now recording this podcast for you. They, We might. I'm not going to do piracy. I'm not going to condone that in front of a <laughs> guest. Uh, Chris Fafalios <laughs> is in the comments. He says, hell yeah. There's my old buddy Kai. Oh, hi, Chris. Chris hey, is Chris. the best. Chris has this other band called Another Cheetah. Another band, Another Cheetah. Uh, and I guess Steve has run off and done his other band, Maybe Aliens. That that is like a uh, is that a um, middle aged boys rock supergroup? This Maybe Aliens. Who are the members in this band? Do you know? I mean, I just know Heath and Steve. Yeah, and then there's the drummer. I think is like a Nashville guy. Maybe I saw he mm-hmm. he plays with a bunch of like Amanda Shires, a bunch of people like that. I did a little digging after Steve posted that. So it sounded it's a good. Bunch of, ring, bunch of ringers, which is another cheat. Is the same thing. Just bunch 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 of, of pros. Bunch of pros. Uh, and our friend Chris Fafalios, who 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 is uh, he's on the network. These are all friends. Um, I actually texted Steve. This is what I, I said to Steve. I said, uh, "Hey." I like the maybe alien stuff. I'm going to be on Geekscape with Kai. You want to drop in and surprise us? Maybe surprise Kai. And he says, hey, fun. Um, I th- <laughs> and he says, I sent it to Kai last week. You were pretty mum on Sunday. Not bringing this up. Okay, listen. If Steve has any music, not know dropping. About it. Okay. okay. <laughs> and I said, do you, do you want to drop in? And he says, it's, uh, he says oh, I got, uh, I got time with the wife planned. So I said, listen. Send the baby to be on Geekscape. <laughs> <laughs> they have a baby now. <laughs> Send the baby. Uh, you and your wife can have yourselves a date and just I'll put the, the baby on Geekscape. And and he says, man, in relation to the baby, he says, I cannot wait to hacky sack with him. And so <laughs> <laughs> that's you and I in San Diego with the Punchline Boys hacking at 2, 3 a.m. outside of a Denny's uh, like grown men do. You know, and Chris Vapolius was there of the One Hit Thunder podcast that you guys can listen to. Um, It's it's Geekscape. It's a Geekscape podcast. It's fun. One of my favorite Um, podcasts. It's great. Those boys have taken it to lengths and to heights that 
I couldn't have dreamed. I love those guys. And I love him and Matt. Obviously I talk to Matt every day. He runs the, the podcast network and, uh, we're super proud of everybody. Um, I actually spent Sunday with other podcasters on the network. Diallo Jackson, who does our black, our like Battlestar Galactica podcast and the two boys, Zach and Dustin from to our late fee. We did a screening of, uh, Diallo's motion comic, Angel in the dark. And it was, it was fun. It was, it was, I was like, this is crazy. I can't go a day without tripping into something Geekscape related or music related or somebody from the last 20 years, like Keith coming back up and my memory. But I think that's just happens when you survive long enough in this life. You know what I mean? Um, it's crazy. Have you, have have you not been a guest on one hit thunder? Have you just not been a guest? I've not. No, this is, I I listen. I love it. Let me pull some strings. Let let me pull some strings. No pressure. No pressure. Chris, Chris is in the Chris is in the comments saying, "Kai, holy cow, come be a guest on One Hit Thunder." Done, like absolutely. Okay, okay, we're gonna get that. Yeah. We're gonna get that. Let me call some people. Let me call Matt Kelly. Okay. <laughs> Kai, how you been, man? Do we want to talk about your origin story? I think the audience who may be like, "What the hell are these dudes talking about?" Uh, need to know a little bit more about you beyond just my intro. Like, obviously, Army of Freshmen was a fun Ventura pop punk band mm-hmm. in the era of like the height of Drive Through Records and. Uh, what, what were some of the other labels that were running around there with the pop punk bands? Yeah. Kung time? Fu, Nitro, the Fuel by Ramen was coming up. I mean, you know, Vagrant was local, obviously getting there. And there was a, a band from our same area that he grew up with that were on Vagrant. So that was one that was around quite a bit. I mean, Who was that? That was, that was um, No Motive. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That was a yeah, good band. They're from, yeah, they're good. For, I mean, we we all grew up going to the same shows, doing the same thing. So that was, you know, Vagrant was around a lot. Um yeah, drive through as you mentioned, was kind of big powerhouse for a minute. Um, what were the other labels around I mean, then? I mean, Hopeless, I mean, Hopeless, Hopeless was, was coming up. Hopeless yeah, is still there. Hopeless is still around. Yeah, Hopeless, if anything, is like kind of caught in the net. A lot of the bands, as some of those those labels have like waned or gone through different. You know, obviously, Fuel by Ramen became like this ma- massive thing over at Island and this mm-hmm. event. Um, but as other labels have kind of like fallen off or disappeared or been absorbed into other things, um, they've, they've caught a lot of those bands like newfound glory and yellow card and continue mm-hmm. to put out those albums. And the albums are, I think as high quality as they ever were, you know, I, I enjoy those albums the same as I think, you know, if you're, if you're stuck in the music you listen to when you're 20 years old, as I am, like, I think it's still good. I think those albums are yeah. still as good as any of that stuff. What about the army of freshmen? What about these kids? Like, uh, like, why not? Why you know bring them back as the army of sophomores or something? Like what's happening with you guys? <laughs> I mean, we still do stuff. We're still super, very close. All of us. We're all you know most every one of us actually now, except for Dan, one of the keyboard players. We all have kids. We're all married. We're you know everybody's split up. Our drummer. The big complication is our drummer lives in the Chicago area. So if we want to do anything, it's you know and we we want to be the same people. We switch drummers for one record and it just wasn't the same. Like we are these six people and we, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it with these six people. So, but we, we put out new songs. I want to say maybe five years ago, we put out three new songs. Um, We still meet up all of us. I have a project that's in the works right now with one of the other guys. Um, I made a children's record with a few of the guys that came out at the end of last year. It's about a year old. So we're still around doing the thing. We did a UK tour, I want to say 2018, and we did some shows with Nerf Herder last year, as you you were there, you remember. Mm-hmm. So we're still around. We're just that, doing that modern kind of quiet, you know, we're, you, we're not going away, but we're not, we just, none of us can do it full time. We all have, have regular gigs now. And talk to me about that. Cause uh, you revealed to me in your keeping secrets, which is the theme of our dinner, I guess <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, quiet well, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in your keeping secrets on Sunday, you had told me that you're, you've been like scoring some film projects, scoring some media yes. projects. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's right. What I do a lot of my music work now, I do scoring stuff and songwriting stuff and production stuff. Um, so right now I am working on a horror movie that is five. It's called, uh, Pandora's parlor thus far. I assume that will be the, the the title. It's gone pretty far, but it's five vignettes. Each vignette has a different writer director. And then there's an overarching story that ties everything together. So I don't want to give away too much about the plot, but it's really, really cool. And I'm working on the first vignette right now, which is um, uh, called Lumira Prism. 
And it's, again, without giving away too much, it, it has to do with sort of supernatural VR, let's say that much. Uh, it's I'm, like a Black Mirror type thing, maybe? Sort of. It could. It is definitely on that, in that world that there's you know, a little sci-fi, a little horror, mixes the genres for sure, a little bit of, you know, it, very you don't want interesting, to very away. fast. I don't want to give away too much because it's right. still in production. And I don't know how much I'm at liberty to say. But yeah, so Lumira Prism is the short, but the overarching thing is Pandora's Parlor. And the, um, it's it's su- super fun. I mean, I, I've been a horror fan always. Horror is my number one genre as far as movies go. And I've never worked on a horror movie before. I usually get a lot of family stuff. So being able to finally put all this research that I've done all these years listening to horror soundtracks to work has been really fun. So actually working on that all day today before we got on the phone here. You call it research, but you were just a horror fan as we yeah, go into the absolutely. Halloween month. Yes, um, big time. Talk to me about that because uh, you've never really, you and your secrets, you've never, I mean, it's <laughs> like, I mean, I, I actually think that you're super interesting because of that, because you and I, you, we know each other better than we did when we were kicking hacky sacks and Denny's. I don't think either of us would have bailed the other one out of jail. If, if we were to, you know, maybe kick the, <laughs> kick the hacky sack through the window, it's probably happened to some of the punchline guys, but um, talk to me about that because that's an interest I didn't know that you had. And it seems like a pretty passionate interest when it comes to horror movies. Where did that start? So that started when I was really young. I Got in, I was always sort of the kid that was into the creepier things. I was like the Halloween episodes of Garfield and the Halloween episode of, you know, the it's a Treehouse, the great Treehouse pumpkin. Treehouse of, of, absolutely, was that when those would come on, that was like, you know, religious in my house. I was like, you know, parents don't talk to me. Please let me sit down and watch the new Treehouse of Horror. Um, you know, and I got Ghostbusters was sort of the tipping point. That was the first movie I saw that I was, you know, I was five or six and I it just blew my mind. And that opening scenes librarian scared the bejesus out of me but it it i was hooked with that feeling and then i that was sort of the beginnings of nightmare for elm street and friday the 13th and all that so i was talking about this with my the my mom's hairdresser and she was like oh i have all she was 20 something she was like i have all those movies if you want to watch any of them let me know i i like she had the two vcr set up where she was bootlegging those that don't know this back in the day when things were vhs you'd have to rent a movie you couldn't buy a movie that came out or you could but they were like hundreds of dollars 200 bucks yeah yeah so you'd have two vcrs and you would have a blank vhs and a regular vhs tape and you dub them so she had maybe you dub it on long play so it would look a little fuzzy but you don't care you have like six movies on one thing (laughs) you always do i mean uh, people i knew always dubbed them long play just like that so she had this tape that had the first friday the 13th and the first nightmare on elm street on one tape now her giving this to a six-year-old is a whole nother story (laughs) but my my mom had no idea what she thought this was along the Ghostbusters lines and this sort oh. of harmless thing. She had no idea. And Just so, about a child molester yeah. killer who's got knives exactly. on his hand and yeah you know just about a bunch graphic of, violence like, just about a bunch of teenagers having sex yeah. in cabins and gets yes. killed by a guy with a hockey mask. Yeah, Crazy. no big deals. So hairdresser gives me the, this tape and I go home and I watch it. And I know what's on this. And I know that if my parents can't see this, they're going to take it away from me. So I just wait until they're asleep and I pop it on the VHS. I creep out in the dark and I watch both of those movies. And I started, then I was like, I have to do this every time I can. And at one point, probably the third watch in a Nightmare on Elm Street at the beginning scene when Freddie is dragging that woman over the ceiling and, you know, backs getting scratched open and, you know, from the invisible attacker tina my yeah tina yeah my dad walks out and he just looks at me and just goes what are you what are you watching and i explained he's like does your mom know and i was like no and he's like and he goes just don't watch it around her and my dad walks away and i'm like what but then i hear them talking in the other room and i'm like it's over my mom walks out and she's like what are you what's going on so she sits down and, and she stops it and then sits gets up the next morning and watches it and I don't know what she said to the hairdresser, but I assume it was just like, what are you doing? Why are you letting my six-year-old borrow these movies? But I was hooked. So at that point, my parents were like, we can't put the genie back in the bottle. You've already seen this. You seem fine. We sat down, we talked about everything I saw. And I was like, I'm not, I just like being scared. It's crazy. This ghost, there's this cool man with this cool glove. Like it's not, 
you know, again, so I wasn't processing it like it was this graphic Trauma. situation. Yeah. So they, they, from that point on said, cool, you can watch these horror movies, but we want to watch them with you. We want to talk about it afterward. And they did. They, and they're not horror movie fans. My dad does not like anything even tense. He doesn't even like, like tense action movies. And they did. And they, they allowed me to do this. And it was, it's been a passion ever since. I have a Leatherface tattoo on my arm from Texas wow. Chainsaw Massacre 2. Like I'm, it's, it's real. I, I love, absolutely love horror movies. Like October, I can't wait. I watch horror movies all October. And, it's, and my Chainsaw, wife hates them. My daughter hates them. Oh, well, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is the funny one. Yeah, it's the funny one. I That's think the it's the funny one. But it's so it's good. Meta it's meta and it's genius. It's Yeah, it's absurd, but it's fantastic. Dennis Hopper's, his performance in that is incredible. It's it's incredible. And Kai, I love it. Um, the hairdresser, when she got fired... <laughs> she you. didn't she didn't and my mom did not stop getting her haircut from her okay i was about to say like one day your mom's haircut just changes and the hairdresser's like way to rat me out you little bastard it was like i mean who knows what she was i mean she probably felt bad about it afterward but i don't know it didn't, I, I think she MTV, changed my life so i i thank her for me mtv came i mean we all watched the horror movies right like like yeah uh, people have been passing around this meme of the Spanish language Chucky and mm -hmm. people are like, look at the clip the Spanish, Spanish language Chucky is so much better. And I'm like, that is my Chucky. Like my, my, my tío Rafa and in, in, in Guadalajara, like he would, he let us watch Chucky. Uh, by that time I, I, I was, was Chucky. Uh, let, let's check it. Matt Kelly. Who's like, probably screaming at me right now as he fact checks. Uh, if Chucky's late eighties, yeah, I'm still maybe single digits when Chucky comes out. We're absolutely watching it in Spanish down in Guadalajara during our summers down there with our with our mm -hmm. cousins. And that is the best fucking Chucky because he's railing in Spanish, calling her a bitch and all this crazy stuff. But by that point, I had definitely been Jason and Freddy uh, in alternating Halloweens for at least two, three years. Like, uh, I just like Freddy because he's funny. Like, Fre Freddy's yeah, funny. Totally. And you don't think about the fact that he was killing kids. And Jason, yeah, and like you said, he's a pedophile and he's a child, you know, all he's these fucking crazy, horrible. It's horrible. But and you you root for Freddy by the after the first one, maybe after the second one, you by the third one, for sure. You just want to see the creative kills. It's like watching Tom yes. Green put poop on a yeah. mic. Like you want to see like who falls for it. It's like watching, yeah. you know, Nathan Felder like, yeah, trying I, bullshit I, on I people. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, did you see that ad for the new Nathan Fielder song, uh, like like show that has him? Uh, it's with he Nathan Fielder, you know, of Nathan for you, is doing a, a show with A twenty four. I would and watch that it, just on it, that alone. It's, it's called like the Cult or something, and it's got him and uh, what's her name from La La Land, like major actress. Oh. Uh... Emma Stone. And Emma Stone, and it feels like an A twenty four commercial. It comes out in the next month or so, and the and, it, and it's got one of the Safdie brothers in it. So it's got all it checks all the the indie alternative boxes, man. And I loved that Nathan for you where he's doing the the rehearsal. I thought that was I thought the whole Nathan Felder rehearsal thing was fascinating and how meta mm -hmm. it got. We've talked about it on Geekscape like crazy, but uh one of these ads popped up on one of my social medias as you're scrolling ignoring your life trying not to deal with the internal anguish of <laughs> your existence and being a evolved you know parasite on a molten rock flying through vacuum <laughs> you can't think about those things uh so i uh i hit this ad and of course i recognize nathan felder i'm a f total fan of him like and let's just call him social experiments and then i see it and i'm like oh my god like this looks crazy. And it's got the 824 tone of this is impending dread. You know, I was like, oh, I got to see it. It's, and I think it's about a cult. So I'm in totally. And I think he's starting a that cult. That sounds great. <laughs> Nathan Felder starts a cult. <laughs> so in. Uh, and Seems kind of like the next, where else could he go? I and mean, he's got to do something like, that long form, right? Yeah, I loved, I mean, I, I had, I, I love the Nathan For You stuff because when the boys come down for Comic-Con and they come like a day or two early to help me do inventory and pack the the, the van or whatever we rent for the for San Diego, uh, we'll sit around hot of summer and we'll we'll sit around and uh, watch like Nathan For You or or some something like that. And uh, 
And so I watched the rehearsal and, and Heidi just thinks it's, she thinks it's mean. She thinks some of that stuff is mean. And, um, like, uh, the, you know, what's the other one? The, uh, I think you should leave. She, I, yeah. some, some of it, just the, <laughs> the frequency of the jokes. She's like, I don't know if this is for me. And meanwhile, I'm just fucking dying. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. I get, those, I get that. Those are, those are both pretty acquired tastes as well. Like you're, you're either on board or you are not, you know, I think you, <laughs> you, you sit and you, you digest that and you process it and you get to the other side of it and you're, it's either the greatest thing you've ever seen, or it's like you said, you're just like, this is kind of, it's it, weirdly gross. Maybe. <laughs> babysitters i think have like are the gateway drug for so many things and i think geekscape is if you guys want to uh you guys have been awesome by the way geekscape is let me just shout out to you guys the amount of feedback i got um from the paranoias episode and you guys having an unknown band come on geekscape and then you guys start listening to them i think is amazing and i loved having a dj on the show last week and the feedback I'm getting is awesome. So let's throw this on the feedback pile. What was one of the gateway things that your babysitter got you into that maybe you shouldn't have been in at the time? I think watching Belinda Carlisle on MTV, I think that jump started my sexuality by f- a few years earlier than it should have. Like, I think that kicked my puberty up like in the like, Oh my God. Walk like Egyptian video. Oh my God. That was when she looks back and forth, like, there's, there's something happening here in my body that I don't understand. When yeah, she looks 100%. back and forth and like you guys, you guys served us right up to like Kim Chatuck and like, who who's the girl who was on the, um, Oh my gosh. She had the, like, I don't know. I like the upper lips. Uh, like Kim Chatuck had just had, had an awesome punk rock growl and rest in peace. Kim Chatuck. Like you could, you just know her voice in everything from no effects to MTX to obviously the muffs. Um, but uh, the Rook assault. Yeah. Women, like everything elastica, like oh. it all started with the bangles and the go-go's didn't it? Yep. And that all started with babysitters being like, I don't care you little bastard. If you want to watch this or not, I'm putting it on. <laughs> yeah. And it was just on in the background and it, you know, there'd be every type of music. It, the shows were a lot less specific than they got to be in the nineties where you just, it would go from LL Cool J to the go-go's to the bangles. I mean, it was, it, and it was, you just sit as a kid and you, it was just, it was so much information in your brain between the music itself and the visuals that was you know, were part of it. I've got a theory and, and, I see kids doing it. I see myself doing it. Uh, and I th- I've had conversations with people of our age who talk about missing uh, the discovery of flipping through channels, right? Like obviously now we have all this a la carte stuff. We got the Disney plus, we've got the Paramount plus we've got the HBO, whatever you want to call it. Now we've got the Apple TV. We have these, these various verticals and flipping through them, like, I don't know, everything's all a cart. Like, you can actually go right to what you want to see. There's not a whole lot of discovery unless you get a couple of ads or, you know, you're listening to Geekscape and it tells you about the new Nathan Felder show. Um, it's TikTok. The channel flipping has turned into YouTube. And I think YouTube was first, obviously. And, it, and the, the, the suggested lists that come up as you flip through a TikTok or flip through a Snapchat or flip through the discovery of a YouTube or an Instagram, uh, that is the channel flipping. But the channels are individualized and the algorithms are uh, like hyper individualized and marketed towards you. And I don't think there's something as, you know, maybe this is me on my porch saying, hey, the same as my old days of sitting there at, you know, and w- waking up to the pure moods music and 2 a.m. <laughs> um, maybe I, we have a romanticized view of what it was to be flipping through cable and discovering stuff in the upper recesses of, you know, once you start getting to the hundreds, shit it gets a little weird there in cable. Um, yeah. Is there something I, there? Because there was no algorithm on cable. Like, you just went through every channel from sports to the movies to kids to cooking to all the different stuff. But it seems like with the algorithms, it's taking that discovery out of the game. Now it's tailored. Thoughts? A lot less accidents. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. The other th- like feeling, and I had this conversation with my daughter the other night, and it was definitely I was feeling like old guy because she completely disagrees. She's six. But it's like I felt like 
she's not bonding with things in the same way. She'll watch something and she'll watch it for like a week and then it's gone out of her brain forever versus something like uh, I was talking to her um, because we were, she wanted to watch something like Halloween that was part of my childhood. And I put on mad monster party, the old Rankin stop motion thing. And I was like, she's like, how did you just find out about this when you were a kid? And I was like, well, it was just on TV every October. So every October I watched it because that was on. And she was like, you mean it wasn't, you couldn't just watch it anytime. And I was like, no, I could watch it in October. At some point there'd be some viewing on like one of the major channels and they would, it would, you know, or you could maybe tape it off TV if you had the capability, but it, it was so special to me. And it's a part of the, the Halloween season to me when it gets to be October time. I, that's one of the things I just feel like I have to watch at some point. And with her, she was just like, okay, that's fun that that's the way you felt old guy. But she doesn't do that with things. Like when it gets to be Christmas. Thing. You're, are you doing that tapping? Thing? Oh, oh no. Sorry. There's the, they're okay. doing construction oh, next okay. door. That's what okay. that was. That was a okay. hammer. That's fine. Um, hey, you guys can continue with the construction next door. <laughs> yeah. Before, before the show, you were, I think adjusting your, something on your desk. And I was like, yes, oh, I've not, I've that. not done that. No, I no, love that you. Was, that nothing, was a hammer. Nothing if not behaved, but you tell those neighbors <laughs> you got about, oh, you got a few more minutes of this and they need to behave. Okay. No roofing right now. It's, it's also God. like almost 6 PM. They, they should take a load off. Come I back know. tomorrow. I'm they, sorry. They continue. start at seven in the morning. Yeah. So anyway, I, <laughs> I feel like my daughter doesn't have things where it becomes seasonal for her. Like if there's something she wants to see, watch whatever it is, if it's a holiday movie or otherwise, or anything, book, whatever, she'll just go at it. She'll, you know, ask for Christmas music in July. She'll want to watch the Grinch anytime. I mean, it's like she, there's just, or night before Christmas, she'll put on in any random time. It's like, there's no, she doesn't have the event, same right? bond with it. It's not an event. It's just a in and out versus and you'll binge where it. you will watch yeah. all six episodes or whatever it is right yeah. away. Um, and I, I think, I think some of these outlets are starting to learn that that may not always be good. Like, you know, not that it wasn't done for production reasons, but cutting Stranger Things in half, like, makes you more excited for the later Stranger Things. Maybe that also worked with something like The Witcher, where it's like, okay, you only get a few episodes, and then you got to wait for the rest of them, but you're going to know that they're coming, right? Um, yeah, I I think that binging them keeps them less precious. I got to tell you, I... I'm looking forward every week, whether or not, you know, what you think of Ahsoka or any of these yeah. Disney, Disney shows. Love it. Um, I, I look forward to having something new and fresh to watch. Loki's going to hit us in a couple of days, the second season mm-hmm. of that. I'm, I'm looking forward to this stuff because uh, say what you will about superhero fatigue or what we're going through with the, the, the pop culture stuff and how geeks are now dominant. But I like it when it's spaced out. If anything, the strike, and I'm not, I, I, the strike has been hard as hell on us. Uh, it, it's been hard. Like Heidi and I literally waking up at like 2 a.m. Like last night being like, hey, we're going to, we're going to be able to make all the, like, we're going to be able to do all this. Like, we're, we're going to be good. We're going to be good. <laughs> and then finally, like waking up, you know, like we're at work or something, doing something and like, we're like, okay, we're good. We're good. But man, it's, it got close to, it got pretty close there during the strike for a lot of us out there. I got friends yeah. who are very, very tight right now. Um, and uh, that being said, if it allows, if it forces, they're going to do what the hell they want. They, they're billionaires. But if it forces some of the AMPTP to rethink their strategy on just blind production. You know, they've had to pace out their productions because there's no actors, there's no writers. If it allows them to appreciate some of the work that goes into this stuff and actually make it with care, because some of this stuff, some of it got a little soft there in the creativity department. Some of it got a little soft in the writing department on some of these pop culture things. If it causes them to pace it out and really work it and make each of these things a little higher quality, then that may be one of the positives we can take from just a really hard five week, five months. I mean, we watched the new this week tonight and it was awesome. It just felt good to have John Oliver back narrating our reality back to us <laughs> For, former geekscape appearance, John Oliver, who showed up at the geekscape comic con booth all those years ago. And uh, I gave Purell too on camera. <laughs> um, speaking of comics, Kai, let's, let's talk. Let's do it. 
let's talk, man. Uh, you dipped on the X Men, and I told you the X Men yeah, are kind of holding serve until their big reset. But I've talked about the X Men on on the show. It's what I'm reading. Uh, what are you reading, brother? Like, talk to me about what you're reading. You're telling me if we talk Marvel, you're talking about this Moon Knight, right? Yeah. Like, I, talk I, I to love. me about this. So fair, fair, you know, backstory. Moon Knight is my favorite Marvel character. I absolutely love the character in general. And it's a character that has been written every way possible. And some runs have been better than others, needless to say. What do you think of the show for somebody who like maybe isn't as, you know, vested in the character or not as up to date on the character in the books and the multiple iterations. And I actually think he doesn't work for me as much as he works for you. I like, I think he's, he's cool, but yeah. Because of the nature of the character and the schizophrenic like basis of the character, the the chances for hit or miss actually keep me from connecting with any creative run because I'm always scared to take it up out of fear that it's going to not be worth the dollar. Make sense? I yeah, absolutely. And it's that's a very fair assessment. The original run is incredible. It's very much I mean, it's it's just classic Marvel. Some great villains come in. The the Jeff Lemire run with the, he did with Greg Smallwood a few years ago, uh, maybe 10 years ago at this point, but it, that is a short run. If you ever want to just try one that's, that's digestible and it's easy. It's my favorite run of Moon Knight ever. And it's a perfect story front to back. Like they don't, it's, it's not something where it got canceled because it wasn't selling. He had a story to tell. He told it, he got it and he got out. And it's, that's what I'm getting in Geekscape is, you know, Jeff Lemire because he wrote sweet tooth. He wrote uh, Essex County. He currently has uh, this weird sort of like uh, Kafka-esque uh, book right now. It's, it's called Something Flies. I love it. I mean, the underwater... Fish the flies. Underwater, fish flies. It's beautiful. Underwater welder. Like Jeff Lemire is an automatic buy for me. It has Same. been since Essex County. So the Moon Knight one... Yeah, that's the one that I think is a great entry to the character. Um, okay, okay, check check that off the yeah. list. We got Moon Knight, and then and, and 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 so take me to this Jed McKay run. So yeah, so there was another run between that that Max Bemis from Say Anything did that was just too crazy for me. It was just it it was all over the place, and there were a couple plot points that were okay, but it to me it was just too much. It went too far into the the mental side of things, and it Do- left it the rest of it behind a bit do rock stars like yourself when they get into a new medium feel like they need to prove themselves by being louder in form and substance like i mean i'm and i'm of course leaning myself towards a conversation about gerard way and writing for things like umbrella academy which i thought was fun for the first uh two three storylines they've been adapted into the 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 seasons of the show over on netflix but um but I actually love the Netflix stuff. No, sorry, Gerard, but I actually love the Netflix stuff. And I feel like it's a cleaner version of some of the things he was trying to say as much as I love Gabriel Ba's artwork. I think he's incredible. I love him so yeah. much. Um, when do rock stars need to like put their stamp on a new medium when they drop into comics? Is, uh, do they need to slow it down? Is That's that a, a really interesting question. And I'm thinking back of the people that have crossed over and there is a big, they are very bombastic in general and that may be due to the approach it's just a bigger rock and roll sort of approach and i this i felt like the max bemis run was so short i felt like he just had a story to tell but just like you said it was it was pretty messy it's pretty big and pretty messy and i don't know i i like some of the marvel stuff he's done and some of his his creator own stuff but this was that that one didn't work for me and maybe that's why maybe it was too big for the character yeah, I, I mean, you guys are writing three three minute songs, man. You guys, everything's got to be big. <laughs> Not a whole lot of subtlety yeah. going down there, but uh, maybe in the comics we pace it out a little bit. You know, and it's hard. And I think comics pacing is, I to me, it's super interesting. Comics pacing because you have to do it with the level of tone on the page and how much you pace your images, and you want the reader to read. Um, and how quickly you want them to consume information, new information. Uh, and I think it, it it's really hard. It's, I don't, folks, when you think about comics, you think about like, oh, it's a kiddie medium or it's what I read as a kid. Uh, appreciating it as an adult, you actually start to see some of the language and appreciate it and be like, whoa, 
It is absolutely an art form and a storytelling uh, style that that needs to be learned. And uh, and we'll see. I mean, I, I I agree with you. Max Bemis has done some stuff over at Marvel that I've really enjoyed. Um, in this Jen McKay guy, he is a so, comic yeah. book writer. Yes, he is comic book writer, and yeah, he picked it up after a pretty lengthy hiatus on Moon Knight, and I it felt like they were trying to bring the character back because of the TV show. In the you know thinking, well, if this is a big hit, we should probably have a book on the you know every month a monthly book, and it started back a few months before and really hit the ground running. He's Moon Knight, typically very cerebral character as we talked about, and so there's usually a lot of internal dialogue. And with this, Jed McKay said, I don't want any. Any mon- any internal dialogue, everything's going to be spoken. So there's there, it it's and he's doing it so far. Probably you know close to I would want to say like thirty issues in something like that, and he's doing a great job. And it's not making it too action packed, which is what's happened with some of the runs where they just go so far action that you lose the sensitivity of the character. The redundancy of him just beating people up in every panel. Yeah, exactly. So they do a good job of him, Moon Knight, being troubled and being psychological. He some of the uh, one of the plot points is he's in therapy and he's talking to a therapist. So that's part of it that leads him. But he's also running this thing called the Midnight Mission that's to help people in the neighborhood that need things. Um, he's surrounded himself with some interesting characters, a couple of vampires that are his uh, his sidekicks. But McKay's hitting every beat, honestly. I mean, it's it it's each new arc is getting better than the previous. And with Moon Knight, that is not typically the case. They usually everything the first arc and then it starts to slow down but 30 issues he's been on the show uh, on ish, this, on this yeah thing. like 30 it's, issues like they're letting him like cook yeah there's i think four trades out i want to say that the fourth one just came out and they're they're still they're not taking breaks between arcs they're just powering out one don't do one a month don't come on my show it's, and make me spend money don't do this can i mean I'm happy to let you borrow the like the first arc if you want to just <laughs> give it a try. I will not be bribed, damn it, <laughs> on my own. It's show. great. I'm loving it. I'm I'm loving it. It's made me fall in love with the character again after a little, little some some bumps. Did how'd like the, the show. Yeah, how'd that sit with I, you? I liked it. I mean, they definitely took some liberties, but I'm okay with it. They I liked at the end of the season there was a little tease for the other personalities, which was cool given some room it's made i feel like they realized that the character is limited with the schizophrenia so they wanted to you know pacing wise spread that out a little bit and i liked it a lot i liked the new characters i liked what they did with the gods some of it got a little big like when the you know the gods were fighting like kaiju over the yes. city was a little much for me but as cool as that I, was you know, ultimately yeah. like you I, I think comic book movies have to be conscious of not falling into what so many of them have delivered, which is a char- the character at the end of the comic movie fighting another version of that own of their own character. You know, yeah. we had the Iron Man versus Iron Monger, of course, at the end of mm-hmm. Iron Man, and you can say what you will about Spider Man versus Green Goblin and the flip the flip the characters and on and on and on and on. But um, that one felt like it could have avoided that and done something pretty interesting. Um, Hitman Man, there's three- no shortage of of cool Moon Knight villains. Yeah. That's the, the tragedy. Yes. There are some really, really cool Moon Knight, like Moon Knight specific villains that they could have brought in and they teased a couple, but they didn't, you know, and nothing against the, the performances I thought were great, but I just awesome. could have made it a different character. I love Ethan Hawke too, but he was, he was um, incredible. I always love Ethan Hawke, but the, the, I think the, the answers have to be in the character. And, and I, again, I'm going to bring up Ant-Man three because Scott didn't defeat Kang in a Scott way. Scott beat the crap out of him. And I, I don't think yeah. Scott wins that fist fight in any version of that character. Scott no, definitely not. Scott is a thief. He is a sneak and he shrinks and he yes. tricks you. And that is who Scott is. And, and he's we, smart. And he's smart. And he's not going to win a fist fight with Kang or any character who has been stuck in the in the quantum realm for a millennia training himself to do nothing but get out and conquer he is the conqueror he's not going to lose a fist fight to to scott lang and they had an opportunity having already introduced the quantum storm that scott had only escaped out of his love of cassie and having her as his lodestone barometer to guide him out of that quantum storm i would have loved an ending where he's getting beat up by kang 
Kang thinks he's defeated. He's going to step through the portal and take on our Earth and escape from the quantum realm. And Scott smiles, and Kang realizes he has a lot of those stickity shrinky dink devices on his back. And he drops Kang, shrinks him into a quantum storm where Kang has to fight infinite versions of himself, which Kang would never be able to defeat because he will not admit defeat even two versions of himself, which is the whole thing of Kang the Conqueror. He will not be conquered even by himself. I thought that would have been a beautiful ending in a very Scott-based ending to Quantumania where Scott just is like, bro, it's shrinking-based. It's trickery-based. And it's funny. It's like, sorry, yeah. Kang. Like, you're done. Shrinks him. Boop, 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 boop. And Scott can beat Kang the Conqueror that way. But he's not going to smack him to death. You know, but again, That's, we talk about it, like all this strike stuff. And I don't know. I mean, you know, then again, I'm, I'm there with popcorn day one. Yeah. Of course, same. And they that's, you know, some of the Marvel, they tend to make everybody a little more punchy in the movies than most of the characters <laughs> are. I mean, every everybody's throwing punches and, you know, some of them will be a little sneaky and use their brains. You get some of that out of Star-Lord, but it's not yeah. too many. That's what I like about really... Emil Blonsky in the She-Hulk. Like, they took him away from just being a Hulk yeah. version of a big guy who punches in his green sometimes. You know, I like yeah. the, the treatment of Emil Blonsky in... In She-Hulk, I thought that was fun. I thought She-Hulk was a blast. Yeah, I yeah, thought I it was too. a blast. And I hope, and I was this. This is what I daydream about Geekscape. Is I was walking, I was like thinking about Deadpool three, and how meta it's going to be, and how it's probably going to make fun of all the multiverse stuff. And I was like, I want to see Deadpool meet She-Hulk on screen and have both of them vie for being the fourth wall like you know <laughs> like like panel breaker i want it's like could you like i think that's so cool that we find ourselves in a place where she hulk on screen could be with deadpool on screen and they're both vying to break the fourth wall together <sighs> and i'm like you know and and things will get punchy punchy and that won't be good for deadpool but i i i guys this is what i daydream about i don't daydream about anything but comic books and movies um <laughs> Talk to me about this indie book you were telling me about. I don't know anything okay. about it. And okay. uh, this thing, it's called Black Cloak. Yes. I see it on the stands. But again, like I'm scared sometimes to pick stuff up on the stands because you don't know if it's going to be canceled or if it's going to run into production problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going to happen with it? And sometimes you end up with your heart broken. You know, I, I feel the same way. I've started to trade weight most of my indie books just because for this reason and hoping that, you know, I got burnt by a few Hickman books that didn't even make it to the first trade. And I've got like three issues that with a great start. Um, this one first trade just came out. The interesting thing about this book is it started as a crowdfunding thing, like a Patreon or one of those websites where people were giving her money and you were getting the issues there. You know, and then Kelly they started. Thompson? It's Kelly Thompson, who's. Just, I mean, if you're not reading her Captain Marvel run, like missing out, her Marvel stuff's been your great. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'm just gonna say she's, it. I mean, sexist. she's her her West Coast Avengers run was just just good fun. I, I she's one of those another peop, uh, writer who I just sight unseen will buy it if, mm-hmm. if her name is on it. I will buy it, and her quality of output is great. Did trade weight this? Um, the first trade just came out, and it's great. It's sort of dystopian sci-fi-ish. There's this uh, city that's one of the last, maybe the last city left in existence. Everything's gone to shit. And this prince who's like the good prince of the, the you know, the, the, the princes, he's the well-loved one, turns up dead. And these two characters called Black Cloaks are sent to try to solve the murder, the murder mystery. And that's the setup of it. And that's kind of where you get at the end of the first trade. And I, I, I could not put it down. It, I said, I read it straight through, set it down, came back two days later, read it again. That's cool. love it. One, it's really, it's really cool. And it's In, got her humor, her humor and her action that she does so well. She it's, it's all there. This is the kind of, uh, is that the platform that Brian K. Vaughn does a bunch of stuff on as well, where he's putting things out piecemeal Similar. and you buy them piecemeal and then you keep it moving. Similar. That's Panel okay. Syndicate, which oh, is- Oh, that's right. Is, Panel Syndicate. Yeah, Marcos Martin's thing. This one is like you just subscribe to her. Um, 
Substack. That's what she did. Substack. She we did saw this Substack. day coming. Like we all yes. saw this day coming where people were going yes. a la carte to the creators they love. You know? And the creators all did that where they a bunch of them left and said, hey, we're going to do the Substack thing. And they're, of course, the numbers drop. So now they're a lot of them are doing the books in print as well, but they're still doing it early on Substack. Um, but it's it is well worth it. You know, I, I I can't say enough about how great this book is. It is fantastic. Damn, you're it's one of the. Me. I'm buying this. I'm buying the moon. Are you reading uh, just... What's Your Furthest Place from Here, Matthew Rosenberg? Leave me alone, okay? Like, the guy's only got so many hours in the day and only so many dollars in his pocket, okay? What is this? I, what are you, what are you, what, what? Like, I should have prepped you with this, sorry. You, you remember when you were talking about like, keeping secrets yeah. earlier? Well, tell me about that. So what is it's called what's, what's the Furthest Place from Here? Matthew Rosenberg is the writer. Tyler Boss is the artist. So it's the, you know, four kids rob a bank, team, back. And uh, Image is putting it out, this second trade has just come out and the third arc has just started. They did a super cool thing too, where the first arc you could buy these issues that also came. The whole thing is the main group is centered around a record store. Basically it's the end, the world has ended and it's kids that are all left without adults. And they form these little cults based around the stores or the buildings in, that they occupy. So they, you know, everybody needs somewhere to live. These groups of kids occupy one, a record store, Tower one records. occupies the carnival. Right. And so they all take on the characters of the thing, the place they inhabit. Um, but because the main group in the first arc was the record store kids, they put out these cool issues that you could buy with that came with seven inch records with two songs on it by cool bands, Joyce Manor. And like, I, I mean, Rory great, great. Impossibles worked with Joyce Manor. Yeah. And, and the stereo yeah. who's been on Geekscape. Yes. Remember the stereo episodes? Geekscape is I'm trying to great turn band. you into me. Um, yeah. Great band. Great anyway, band. the book itself is that's the basic premise. And then you find out sort of that there are these group, there are these seemingly adult creatures that are sort of the, they, they're the rule enforcers. So if you break a rule, like go out after curfew, then they come in and they exact, they, you know, or, and once you become an adult, once you, I think, I want to say it's 16 in the book, you, you have to leave or these things, the strangers come and take you away and no okay. one knows what happens to the adults. So it's like Logan's run in a sense. Sort of, yeah. but much, it seems like it's More like Mad Max. 10 years in the future. Yeah. yeah. then rather than way, way, way in the future, like it, all the buildings feel like buildings you could walk into now. They're just run down because they've been abandoned sort of, but they're kind of cared for because Dang. these different kid cults it's it, it is so good. And Matthew Rosenberg's another person that yeah. I buy anything he writes. And this is like some, some top level writing in general, the world building is wild. And the mystery of the whole thing is so cool because the story itself is engaging enough on its own, but every little piece of the mystery that comes in, you just like, you're like, Oh, but, and it, I mean, it's, I can't get enough of that book. It is, it is beautiful. It It's one that does suffer a little bit from delays between issues. Not crazy, but sometimes there'll be a month or two between issues. They all so come with albums? Maybe worth just the first, okay. I want to say six did. And you don't have, you can buy just the issues and the trades don't. The albums like you can the get. Separate. I it's like the Yeah. The music's, it's cool too. And you have uh, you, no I think you can, respect for my dollar. Like you have no respect for I, my budgeting. You have no respect. I work hard to budget. I make sure. I make like I work really hard to. Damn it! Story, you come in I mean, and I'm you start saying, giving me this crap. Are you kidding me? It's almost like I like I, I run a podcast that suggests pop culture <laughs> stuff to people. <laughs> You're the one that wanted me to come on and talk about comics. Love it. This is so on you, much, dude. Well, let's let's get a little more Halloween themed on this next one because you've been thrown back to some serious horror with the classic uh, EC archive reprints of things like Tales from the Crypt and all that stuff. Tell me about that. Like, are you doing this digitally or are you doing this in print? I'm doing them in print because the print versions are, they're gorgeous. They're magazine size. So they're the size, the original, and they've, they've started doing them all. Originally they were all hardback when they did these collections and they were just wildly expensive, like 50, 60 bucks a piece. Sure. Um, now they've started putting them out in these softback versions that are just as nice without the hardcover. And they're, they're like 20 bucks. The, my local comic shop, if you buy trades, it's all 30% off. So it, they're reasonably priced. I'm coming to the West side. Pulp, Pulp Fiction Comics in uh, Culver yeah. City for anybody interested. They're fantastic people. Did that used to be the comic shop. 
They used to be Mike Williams. No, comic book? it's very close. Comic Bug okay. was a block away. They were like like basically on two sides of of this one yeah. street of Culver Boulevard, basically. Yeah. Um, Pulp Fiction's it's right on a it's right on Sepulveda, like Sepulveda and Culver Boulevard, basically. Don't do Great this, job, man. Anyway, It'll this costs these, me more money. Each one of these takes six issues of the original book, whatever it is, whether it's weird fantasy tales from the crypt, um, horror suspense stories, etc. They do, and they've recolored them and they've relettered them with care, with t- careful care, so it looks fantastic. Because if you try to buy those old magazines, most of the time the text is incredibly blurry. Everything's just faded, and, yeah. and so they've really done a good job without taking away the what makes these comics great they have these amazing intros to each one of the volumes by somebody cool like stephen king or steven spielberg or just anybody who grew up influenced by these books and they're they do these mini essays at the beginning and each person george romero does one i mean you know it's they're they are fantastic i I can't every time one of these comes out i buy it same thing unseen and i'm working my way through these they're they're just great they're just good fun and the stories i mean they're so, you know, you look at these stories and you're, the things they're talking about and some of the, you know, the, the horror is quite graphic and you're thinking this was printed in the 50s. I can't imagine what this, pe- this had to be blowing people's minds. I mean, this was yeah. probably catching your kid with one of these in the 50s. If you were like your average family, it was probably like catching your kid with porn in the 80s. Well, the reason like, they went to magazine was that comics code, right? Like, yeah, if, 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 yep. like Mad Magazine, like anytime when the comics code mm-hmm. came down, the whole Seduction of the Innocent book by Wortham got published like mm-hmm. a lot of combo companies try to t- try to dodge that by turning themselves into magazines the ec yep. stuff included but i'm saying like you got that feeling of being a six-year-old and seeing those tales of the crypt episodes or reading the tales of the crypt comics mm-hmm. from that you found it like an old i mean when we went to old comic conventions at like the holiday inn or something we'd always be looking for all the horror stuff or the I mean, same we talked about all those thrift stores were good thrift stores and like uh mm-hmm. swap meets were great places and, as well and of and then you laid your eyes on the first Frank Frazetta Conan and or Red Sonia, and you were like, "That's oh, what a woman is." Oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm feeling things like I'm watching the Bengals perform again. Uh, and I mean, so many of those places were places of discovery, and I wonder if there are digital digital equivalents of them for kids these days i mean clearly you're going to sit your kid down now that she's six years old and give her the same experience watching (laughs) a knife finger wielding child killer terrorize a bunch of kids and obviously you're going to sit her down and watch nightmare on elm street and friday 13th right like you're going to do that now you're a parent of a six-year-old you're going to give her the same treatment you did right she has no interest even that that Mm, movie i was talking about that i was I'm telling you, she really doesn't. I, I've because my wife had this thing. She's like, "You're going to do the same thing, aren't you?" When she's that age, and I was like, "It's let's see what her interests are. Let's have this conversation later." But I'm not going to yeah. say no. And then even that, I was brought her out. She's always interested in what I'm doing. It's the, the studio that I do all the music out of is our. It's the back of our house. So I brought her out. She wanted to see what I was doing because I'd finished the first run of this score for the short. And she was my daughter. Was just like, I, it's, it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary. And it's like, I promise you I'll stop. You know, horror doesn't just start usually from the first scene, but I mean, she was like, I had to stop at like a minute before it got to anything. Cause she was so freaked out about potentially seeing <laughs> like something even remotely scared. She doesn't even, her best friend loves the show Wednesday. And I mean, she tried to watch it and she like 10 minutes in, she's like, no, this is too creepy, which breaks yeah. my heart. But guys, I did that. person. I saw her like what she puts a bunch of piranhas in like a swimming pool. And I was like, no, nah, we good. We, we good. We good. We good. We good. We good. And I'm like that. I'm like that Michael Jackson meme with yeah. popcorn. Just like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it was awesome. I'm a big Louise Guzman fan. Of course, he's my pick for James Bond. You and I discussed that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know the, uh, I'm, I will see, I mean, Beetlejuice too. I gotta see it. Right. I watch all the screen movies. Yeah. I like, I like some of that stuff. Um, my dream job would obviously be a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Not like, I mean, no offense to Sam Bear and the, the, what they went <laughs> for on that one, but you know, got to take it back to the old school, uh, you know, Robert England, who's been on Geekscape as well. And, and if you're into that stuff, like there's that Robert England documentary, those, bo- those boys who did the documentary were on Geekscape within the past couple months. That was a great conversation about all things, Robert England, uh, Kai, we could go forever, dude. This is so much fun talking about it. And I, and, oh yeah, I, I cost you some dollars. Go get those Titan books. Uh, uh, Conan 
Yes. Issues. Oh, yes. Like, I'm guys, going to. I'm. I'm going to go pick up my pull list tomorrow, and I'm going to ask them if they have the first them. two issues of Conan the Barbarian from do. Titan Books. Uh, it's fantastic. They, I I really am enjoying them, and they feel like '70s Conan comics, and uh, in what Dark Horse did when they first got those. Those. I'm so books. excited. I was stoked. I'm excited. You know, like yeah. I'm gonna buy it because I love the character and I love sword and sorcery and I love fantasy comics. And then um I was like, okay, let's see how they treat Conan in this iteration. And it was awesome. And it was the way it should have been, and it felt right. Um, so enjoy that. Uh Geekscape is like I said, I could talk to Kai Dodson for a long time, and maybe you want to reach out to him. So let's talk socials. Where can people reach you? On social media, how can they keep up with projects like if Army of Freshmen comes back? Doesn't have a D in front of it. Army of Freshmen is just Army of Freshmen? Say whatever you want. The first record did save the, and then we dropped it for okay. brevity's sake because the name right. was long enough. But do whatever you like, want. Like A New Found Glory? Exactly. Right. Same, okay. same idea. Only. All right. <laughs> yeah. Got yeah. It. So, yeah, uh, all of my socials are on. I'm mostly on Instagram. I still do have an X account, but I, it's. I, you and I talked about this the other night. It's it's gone to the it's a wasteland now. So trying to I'm probably gonna hop on the threads thing. My uh, our mutual friend Linus was talking me into it the other day. And then um uh, I'm not on fa- the Facebook, but uh, you can find me at, at Obi Wan Kinobi is my personal account, and then at Dodzy Music D O D S Y Music is my music account. So if you want to follow me for like music stuff, the uh, latter is probably better. The other one is just literally, I mostly post stories, and it's usually just pictures of my daughter doing things so, as it should be like, but it, yeah if i'm google, fully dadded out if people google kai dodson instagram they're okay. gonna f- find the obi kai yeah obi it's like obi kenobi yeah. obi-wan kenobi but it's kai instead of ken right am yes, i getting that right exactly right obi That's kai. exactly obi-wan kai i know exactly okay. right yeah you see this i think we got this yeah, uh, and it's a Kai... private account. So if you're if you're a okay. Geekscape person, just shoot me a message and explain because I was trying to keep the spam and the weirdos away from pictures of my. Oh friends. no! You, you, yes, do that. Yes, do that because they are weird. Um, but then yeah, ultimately, we here at Geekscape embrace the chaos. Yes, yes. Um, well, say me too. Send just send me a message and I'll I'll accept. I always try to do dig in and make sure I'm not saying no to somebody yeah, that or exposing your. Like making your family vulnerable to all sorts of weirdos who might exactly. start stalking your kid. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I think that's a pretty understandable concern. Uh, Geekscape is, you can stalk us all you want. We're at Geekscape. Just search for Geekscape on any of the socials. You can find me, Jonathan London, on the socials. Uh, JonathanGeekscape.net if you want to tell me what your babysitter led you to as a kid, what they, what they were maybe looking the other direction or just had on because F it kids gotta learn sometime and you ended up finding that thing that you still enjoy today uh babysitters are great for that um you can find us on all the socials and all that and of course geeks gave us i think we're gonna be back with another musician next week my friend tom kiger from houston calls speaking of drive-thru records and that whole era one of my first music videos i did for those boys and tom and i have reconnected online and uh the band has done a couple reunion shows and this and that and i was like tommy you're you're doing some music and i love you man and we need to reconnect so it's the best way to do it have them right here on geekscape and uh i can you guys can connect with them as well when you come on here that's what this is for geek connections the fabric that holds us all together and gives us a um i don't know i think it gives us a little bit more emotional mental stability again as we fly through vacuum on the <laughs> um love you guys all see you guys next week and um go check out kai's stuff okay peace my friends peace hold on tight we're we're flying through vacuum like i said <laughs> <Eee>. <laughs>